0: I want to ask you, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Today is Father's Day, and we're going to look at this parable of Jesus uh, that is shared with us here in Luke chapter 15 and how it relates to fathers. Um, Luke chapter 15. Let's bow in prayer and ask God to bless us as we do. Lord, we just pray that You bless this time. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Allow us to hear Your Holy Spirit in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 15 is where we are, and, and we're uh, in the passage of Scripture here uh, where Jesus is sharing... Uh, some parables and uh, today being Father's Day and all that we uh, many times think back to our lives with uh, what our lives were like because of our fathers we we think about the different effect that our fathers had upon us and and I, I remember uh, uh, one of the wonderful things about my father uh, as I grew up was is that he instilled within us a desire and a need to be in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Uh, one of the things that my my father and I know my mother had a hand in it as well was is, uh, it didn't matter what was going on in the world. It didn't matter what was going on in our life. It didn't matter uh, how difficult it was. Uh, if it was raining, we got wet coming to church. If it was sunny, we got sunny Went going, come to church. It didn't matter what was going on. Uh, if it was snowy outside, we came to church. If it was sleeting outside, we came to church. We we were at church all the time, and I have a feeling that that had an effect on my life. I know it has effect on those lives of those who uh, have been in a similar situation and uh, we we ask ourselves what is it's important to have fathers let me just say this it's when i said this on mother's day uh, this is as much for you ladies as it is for men uh, this is not just a, a sermon to fathers as even though it will highlight Father, in this uh, service. Uh, This is all about having godly parents and it's important for us to be godly parents, those of us who've been blessed with a family. It's important for us to value our our fathers and our mothers. It's important for us to value our family. And what the Bible has been telling us all along is, is that our families and our society is much better off when there's a mother and a father in the home, when there is when there is uh, uh, difficulties with a, a, having both a mother and a father in a the home, uh, there's always difficulties uh, in the lives of those. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying that every family that that doesn't have a mother and a father, but uh, God's desire for every family is that. Every family would have a mother and a father, and that's his ultimate desire for every family. Uh, we see that the children grow up to be much more productive, much more studious, much more balanced in their life when they're blessed with a mother and a father. Now. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where things happen. We live in a world where uh, life isn't perfect. So there are families that are blended. There are families that don't have a a mother and a father. There's a single parent. Uh, There's families that don't have a father and there's families that don't have a mother because of something that's come up in their life and some uh, issue that's happened. Does God condemn those families? No. No. His desire is is that uh, every family have everything that they need. And one of the ways in which uh, Jesus Christ helped us to understand our relationship to God is to call God in heaven the Father. And we have uh, throughout the Bible illustrations and and instruction on what it is to be a, a good father. In Psalms one twenty eight, there's a beautiful passage there. I was uh, torn between this passage and that one as to which one to preach from. There's a beautiful passage in Psalm one twenty eight about what it means to be a father and the family and the home. I encourage you to read that at some point uh, in this day. Uh, but today I want you to look with me at Luke 15 verse 11. It, it, Jesus is telling a parable uh, about, uh, and about a family that's gone through some difficulty. And for the most part, we look at this and we uh, call it the parable of the prodigal son. We focus on the prodigal son. This parable, though, does more than just simply speak about the son. Uh, there are actually three main characters in this parable there's the prodigal son that we always talk about there's also the uh, the father that is mentioned in the in the parable and he's integral in the in the in the parable as well and we're going to focus on him, but there's also the other brother that is hardly even mentioned at all except at the very beginning at the very end. And many people, when they read through this parable, they'll read and they'll either associate (coughs) with (coughs) with one of these characters. But today I want us to look at the Father. It says in verse 11, and He said, "...a certain man had two sons." And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all that together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his sustenance with riotous living. Now, we look at this parable and we think about the prodigal son and how he uh, took everything that he had Uh, that his father gave him and he went to another you know, you can't stay in your hometown when you're a young person and you're just itching to do something. A lot of young folks will go to another city, another town, another state because they don't want their father or mother to find out what they're doing. And that's why uh, I think this young man went to a far off place. He said I don't want to be on my daddy's farm anymore. I don't want to be out there in the country where he lives. I want to go to the big city. I want to go where all the parties are happening, where all the people are, where all kinds of stuff are is going on and that's what he did he picked up everything he had but look for a moment at the father now the father is not mentioned a whole lot other than he has two sons and he was willing to divide up all of his belongings but i want you to see the character of the father here first of all the father was approachable uh in most in this society in most uh families the father was uh, the the key figure in the family. He's the patriarch, and. It was not, um, in a lot of homes, the father was not approachable. But here the image of a, of a good father, uh, Jesus gives us as one who is approachable. The son is is interested in coming and discussing his desire to his father. He doesn't have to worry about his father saying, oh, you're crazy, don't do that, or, or you'll just waste all your money. You know, it's this isn't like the father in the a, in a Christmas story where a little boy wants to to have a, a BB gun for Christmas and, and all of his family says, you'll just shoot your eye out. Just go on. Don't, don't, no, you can't have it. This father is approachable. He's 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 uh, The young man is able to tell him what he desires. And what does the son want? He wants his father to divide up his inheritance and give him what he's supposed to give. In essence, the young man is saying to the father, Look, I don't want to wait until you die to get my inheritance. He says, I wish you were dead, in essence, and saying, I want my inheritance now. Don't wait until uh, you uh, pass away to give me what's coming to me. I want it now. I want, I want, I want. And that's what the uh, father does. He's willing, in spite of the insult that is given to him by his son, and saying, I want my inheritance now, he is willing to do what he he is asked of and he is not only approachable he is he is very loving in his desire to see that his son gets what he wants and so that's what he does he divides the inheritance between the other son the firstborn and his younger son who desires to have this inheritance and he gives it to him <coughs> excuse me and he allows him to run off into another land. And so we pick up in the story and it says that the, uh, uh, the young man goes off to a, a, a foreign land for riotous living. Verse 14 says, And when he had spent all there, he arose in a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine and he would uh, fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So this young man finds that he has wasted all that his father's given him, and at the most inopportune time, when he has nothing, a famine hits the country. So not only is there... No, uh, no more money in his, his pocket, but there's no more uh, opportunities for work. There's no more opportunities to do anything except for whatever is available. And so he is uh, enjoined. That means he indentures himself to an individual of that country and he is basically made a slave in that household and he's told, go out and feed into the fields and feed the swine. This is a doubly uh, insult to a, a, a Jewish person because first he has sold himself into slavery to a foreigner rather than someone from the house of Israel. He is also uh, forced to go out and tend to the swine, which are unclean in the eyes of the Jewish uh, uh, race. And so they're not even to come in contact with them, let alone to take care of them and feed them. It's not just that they weren't allowed to eat them, they weren't allowed to even touch them. And then also he gets to the point where he's so hungry that he's wanting to eat the slop that... I mean, if you, any of you that that grew up on a farm and you had pigs, you know the pigs, they eat whatever's thrown out of the house. whatever's uh, fo- Whatever table scraps that are left over, you put it in a slot box, uh, bucket and you take that out to the pigs. They don't get the best of food. They don't get the choice uh, from the garden. They get whatever's left over. And this young man is so hungry... And he is so desirous to take care of himself not only is he working with those uh, pigs, but he's di- desiring to eat what he's has there to to feed him the the corn uh, the hus that he's supposed to be giving to the swine so after a while, we don't know how long Jesus says in his parable he says that he came to a census uh And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house, this is verse 17, have enough bread and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father so let's stop there for a minute now the father comes back in the picture after we get a a clear understanding of what's happened to the son and here uh, we understand that not only is the father approachable again we're looking at this in terms of the father and characteristics about him you know you have to be approachable with your children you have to be uh, open to them and, and they ought to want to come to you with their problems ought to want to come to you with their issues and their desires their needs and this father was that way not only that but he was also the gen- a generous man who treated those who were in his employ those who were his servants he treated them well he treated them well than most other people treated their servants and, so, and the father's reputation was that of fairness as well as generosity as well as, as compassion and so he says I know what I'll do I'll go to my father who has servants that are eating better than this, and I know He's generous, I'm going to ask Him to allow me to be His servant rather than a son, and I I know I'll at least get some bread to eat. I'll not be starving. And and this also says, look, the son knows not only is his father generous and not only is his father fair, but he's also forgiving. You see that there? His, he knows, look, I know my father is fair. I know he's, he'll forgive me at least to the point where it will allow me to be a servant in his house. And so uh, this young man gathers himself up and he goes out. And verse 20 says, But when he was afar away... His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Look, this is another characteristic of the father. His father was not just simply sitting there uh, brooding about the fact that his son was so uh, mean and ugly to him. He didn't, when he saw his son coming in, in rags and disheveled and nearly starved to death, he didn't say, ah, I see I see you wasted everything that you had. He didn't r- rub into the fact that his son had made a mistake. He was loving, he was forgiving, he was gracious, he was merciful because he was sitting there looking and waiting for his son to come back. He was eager for him to come back. He was not he was forgiving, but he also had Uh, mercy and compassion on his son because he desired that his, and get this, he desired to see his son come into a right relationship with him. He didn't care what his son had done to him personally. He wanted to see that his son was well off, that his son was okay. And so this shares with us that we got to have a compassionate heart, a loving heart, a forgiving heart. Uh, We need to have in our relationship with our children, the type of relationship that that is gracious in spite of their foibles, in spite of their uh, their mistakes. We need to show compassion. We need to show love. And this father did that. He ran and had compassion on him. He kissed him and... <coughs> excuse me. He brought him in and he showed him the greatest compassion. He said... The father said, as the son was trying to say to him his speech, look down in verse 22, he says, but the father said to his servants, hey, bring the best of robes, put it on him, and put the ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this was my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And so we see that, he is he is he is overjoyed at the fact that his son has come and asked for forgiveness. He's overjoyed at the repentance of his son and his desire is is to do everything he can to elevate that young man back to his rightful position and to to just wipe out any indiscretion that he had with what he did. He had a desire to to make right with his son and to do everything he could to make his son uh, to be in his rightful place as a son, not as a servant. Now, verse 25 gets to the brother, and it says that the brother uh, was out in the field, and he heard the, the commotion of what was going on. You can read it there in the following verses. He says, uh, Why should be, I be merry about my brother who's just wasted everything that, that the father's given him? Look, and he's saying this to his father. Look, you, I've been here and I've been working hard and I've been doing everything I can in order to make you happy. And you've not even given me a goat. And here, here he comes, the irresponsible brother. He's wasted everything that you've had and you're bringing out a fatted calf and, and we're having this celebration. And the brother's saying, look, I don't want to go in and celebrate. You've treated me wrong, in essence, is what he's saying. The father says, look, everything that I have is yours. And you've been with me since, uh, from the very beginning, he says, and you've been faithful. All of this is yours, but we're going to celebrate because your brothers come back. Now, this is a mirror, This is an image for us to see what it is to be a good parent, being approachable, being loving, compassionate, and being uh, uh, lenient with our children when they make mistakes, and, and doing all these things in order to help our, our relationship with our children. But I haven't I purposely haven't told you everything about this that you need to know. First of all, this is a part of a series of parables. There's three of them. And they begin at the beginning of this chapter. You can read over them yourself. It's the parable of the the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable, I think, of the lost son. And... These three parables all speak about the joys of heaven. You see, this, while this is a good example of what it is to be a good father, a godly father, this more than anything is an image of God the Father, of who He is. And it portrays for us uh, the exact relationship that we have with God. Look, we're the, we're the prodigal son. We said to God, look, I, we want to live as if you're not alive. We want to have uh, all that we're due and we go off and we waste everything that we have. We waste, waste our relationship with God and we put a divide between ourselves and God with sin in our life. And then when we come back to God, He's looking for us. He's looking to to run and to shower us with love and compassion And forgiveness. He's the one that's there. Uh, Jesus is giving us not just a portrayal of a good father, a godly father. He's giving us an image of God the Father. And He's showing us our relationship to God. He says, Look, God is the one who's there waiting for your return god is the one who is so excited when he sees you coming that he'll run to you you don't have to come all the way to him he's gonna he wants he's pursuing you and he wants to come after you and he wants to come and embrace you and love you and shower you with kisses he's the one who even though those who've been faithful and those who've been uh there all along he says look uh, they will have the inheritance he's talking about the jewish people when he's talking about the older son he says i'm going to celebrate because those who have been lost are found they've been dead they're alive now this is an image of god the father and we need to see more than any illustration of what it means to be a good father and a good parent. Uh, we need to see the love of God the Father and the love that God wants to express to us today. We, want, we need to see God's love, and that's the image of this Father. He desires to have a good relationship with us. He desires to have you back home. He desires to shower you with His love. He desires to put... Uh, you notice it says He put the robe on Him. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we get into heaven, we're going to have a, a robe of righteousness put on us. He says uh, when He put on the ring on, on His finger, that that's a sign of authority. That's a sign of being an heir. G, uh, God tells us that when we come into a right relationship with him and we accept Jesus into our life we become a joint heir with Jesus Christ even though we don't deserve it even though we've been uh, destroyed by the presence of sin in our life God allows us to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ, to being a part of the family of God. That ring uh, that's mentioned there is put on our finger and we're made a part of the family of God when we accept Jesus into our heart and life. Uh, we're, it says that He's given shoes to be put on His feet. Uh, that is a sign of not... Uh, look, slaves are the ones that went barefoot. In my home, when we're at home, we all go barefoot. But because of just love going barefoot. But look, that was a sign of whether or not you, a slave was the one that wore uh, didn't wear shoes. If you were of nobility, if you were someone of authority, if you were someone who had status, you wore shoes. And <clears throat> the Bible tells us that we're a part of the royal priesthood, and we're a part of the family of God. And so this is a symbol of, of what... Uh, is done for this young man, and this is uh, also an illustration of what Jesus is telling those people who are there in these three uh, these three parables. Is is the joy that comes over God the Father when someone who was lost is found, when those who are lost in their way, who were the the tax collectors, the the prostitutes, those uh, the the Gentiles, the uh, those who were. Uh, wayward those are the uh, you know the publicans those sinners when one of those comes to back to a right relationship with god and that is what god desires to do when one person comes to know jesus christ as their lord and savior it says bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices when a lost child of God comes back to a right relationship with Him, gives their heart and life to God. Won't you do that today if you don't have a relationship with God and it doesn't matter uh, what type of relationship you had with your Father, you have a Heavenly Father that loves you that desires to have a right relationship with you, that desires to to not just simply to forgive you of your sins, but to elevate you into the part of the family of God To make you joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God's desire is to have a right relationship with you and put you back into the right uh, relationship with Him like He had with man before the fall of man uh, in the garden. And that's God's desire. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and life today, that's His desire. Maybe you're here today, and you just haven't had a right relationship with God. You've been falling away in sin, and you need to get your heart and life right with Him. God is loving. God is compassionate. It doesn't matter. What you've done, God's desire is, is to bring you back in, to love you and kiss you on the neck and to make you aware. You know, I always wondered about that, kissing on the neck. <clears throat> you read about that in the Bible. We don't do that in this culture here. But when you when you, uh, when you got that little baby in your arms and you want to love on that baby, you, you kiss on that baby's neck and that baby just giggles and laughs and everything. And that, that's the, the image that—that that is portrayed when you kiss on the neck of someone is that love and, and that, that just deep affection for that individual. God desires to do that with you. He wants to show you His love. He wants to embrace you and to make you feel as though you're a part of the family of God because when you give your heart and life to Him, you are. You are a part of the family of God. Well, let's bow in prayer.